All right, Chris. I don't even know where to start because in your 44 years, it's like it's just uh, like I'm gonna need three hours today. So I hope I uh, hope that's okay. Maybe like three four hours. But uh, the yep. uh, I, thank you. Yeah, I'm jumping right in, and you know I obviously want to get into your background, time with WWE. Oh, you know, all, all you have just so much great stuff going on. But like, I just got to jump into a story that literally just dropped three hours ago. Boston University CTE Center just reported that they have now diagnosed 345 former NFL players with CTE out of 376 players studied. So that's, you know, almost 92%. So can you just explain to us what that research means and, um, you know, what your thoughts are on that? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in 2007, I approached Dr. Ann McKee, who led that research and said, if I can get you the brains of athletes, will you help figure out CTE? And I don't think we ever thought that we would have numbers like this, because at that point, there had been four NFL players ever studied with CTE. And now we struggle to find healthy brains. And so what that means is, you know, CTE is a neurogenic disease that's caused by all these hits to the head that football players get. We also know it's a dose response disease, meaning that the longer you play and the more hits you take, the greater your risk. And so the NFL players have the longest careers. And we just don't know what this means for how many NFL players are living with this because we can't diagnose CT in the living yet. And so we have to sort of interpret these almost 400 uh, cases and decide, you know, to help us figure out what's going on. I mean, I think that the minimum people should realize this is a very common disease among football players who've played college and pro. Um, and it also, if, if it, it either means that a very high percentage, way more than half of NFL players have CT or CT has very specific symptoms that are allowing families to choose to donate the brain and almost always be right. Uh, either way, it's, it's not good news. And we want to make sure people know that if they think they have this, there's help available. The Concussion Legacy Foundation has a helpline. Reach out to us directly. And we will make sure you're seeing the right doctor. And in fact, five minutes ago, I just got a case of a 37-year-old ex-NFL player mental health issues that we are helping. So we're, we can we can help. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I mean, we'll get, I definitely want to get way more into the brain and CTA, but uh, CTE, excuse me. But I think that's the most important thing for people to know. There, there is help that like, you know, and, and we'll include all the, you know, links to all that. But like, you know, not just researching, there's, you know, there's action being taken. But um. To kind of, we'll, again, we'll get back to that, but, uh, you know, quick shout out to the research gods who just provided us that article, and, you know, that study. And then I just saw one from, I mean, it was yesterday. It said 10 things WWE fans need to know about Chris Nowinski. So uh, I was I was diving into that one, which was uh, pretty great. And, I, I, you know, we've been friends in Boston for, for years. I don't think I even realized, uh, you know, at least for a while there that you were, uh, you know, even in the WWE, but you know, do you get recognized as a wrestler now? Uh, still sometimes, absolutely. Almost always through TSA. My TSA people know me. That's yeah. a big wrestling fraternity, I think. Yeah, got, <laughs> got it. That's pretty funny. Well, uh, you know, I have to admit, I, I wasn't a huge WWE guy growing up, but I know that, like, you know, I know it's a huge following, but, in, but I've heard of Killer Kowalski. Obviously, you know, it seems like a Boston guy, but talk about training with him. Like, I'm interested in actually the training part of it all and, like, you know, you're, you're a football, basketball player, but how was the training different when you got into it? Yeah, the training was fascinating. I actually got very lucky. So I, I you know, when I wasn't drafted after playing football at Harvard, 
um, the boss of, of a job I'd, I'd accepted said, you should try wrestling first. And, and it led to me getting a tryout with Mr. Wonderful at the power plant for WCW, then going to the Kowalski school and then getting on Tough Enough for WWE. And so I was trained by some fascinating people going in. I think that's why I fell in love with it because it's such an interesting job and it's such a interesting form of entertainment. You're working with the most entertaining people in the world, doing the most physically demanding thing that I'd ever done. And, um, you, you you basically you have to learn the mental part, the physical part, and then learn how to put it all together to keep a crowd entertained. And not everybody can do it. And I and I was still learning when when, the, when my career was ended by concussions. But I did have a chance to get in the ring with with some of the world's best, and it was uh, it was a blast. But it, it, was the actual like training in the physical nature of it? You know, it is like quote unquote somewhat like staged and and acting. But was the actual like you know again like you played like really high level football and like from that like was that training really hard like was the actual matches like did you like physically oh yeah hard? it's it's i mean it's it's you need to look like you're working in the, 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 the toughest fight in your life but without getting tired because they can go 20 30 60 minutes sometimes and right. so it was it was fast like I, yes the cardiovascular shape i'd never been in before because i was a you know lineman and you're you know, it's a, you're on and off the field every few minutes but to actually stay moving for six ten minutes straight and jumping and, and carrying people on your back and all this stuff so no it was it was fascinating and then even you know to go off the top rope and, and land safely those i mean that's it's crazy or to learn how to throw a punch without actually hurting somebody so right. it, it, it is a, like if you ever got a chance to get in a ring or even running the ropes, which leaves such a bruise the first time you do them. Um, yeah, it's, it's it like I became an acrobat in a sense yeah. from being a, a overweight lineman. And it was a, it was a fun journey. And I mean, what you should, if you ever get a chance, do try it very briefly because it's very dangerous. I, I love it. You, man, you're just such an interesting, uh, trajectory but um you know it seems like on many levels um you know the concussion you sustained in the wwe truly changed the course of your life right and uh, so like what what was it about the launch um what was it about that that kind of launched you into writing a book head games footballs concussion crisis and ultimately funding the concussion legacy foundation so like tell tell us about like that like sustaining that like do you are you grateful for it i know that sounds silly but like <laughs> you know what i mean though like it really truly changed the trajectory of your and like what do you think was it about that that like that you found what you're passionate about yeah well you know i'd always wanted to uh, do something meaningful with my with my life and my skills and part of me going into wrestling was sort of punting on the idea that i didn't really know what i wanted to dedicate my life to yet so i might as well go have some fun and build some interesting skills and uh so when I got a tag team match in 2003, got kicked in the head by Bubba Ray Dudley. It was my fault, but uh, it gave me a concussion that never went away. And part of the reason it never went away is because I didn't know concussions mattered. And so the fact that I had a throbbing headache and I blacked out and I couldn't remember anything in the match didn't mean anything to me. And so I wrestled the next day, the next day, the next day. And 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 then when I finally realized I had a concussion, I lied to the doctor to go back too soon and turn my, my brain to mush. And the eighth doctor I saw, Dr. Robert Cantu, changed my life because he, he, you know, everyone's trying to put me back together so I can get back to work. And he said, well, how many concussions you had? And I said, I've had zero before this last one. It was so weird. And he goes, well, how many times have you been hitting your head and you blacked out, saw stars, you had double vision, you had ringing in your ears? And I, I big smile goes on my face. I mean, that happens all the time, Doc. And he's like, well, that's really a concussion. And I'm like going, God, I'm a Harvard graduate. Like, shouldn't I know what a concussion is by now? I'm 24 years yeah. old. 
So, um, so that was that. And then he said, well, you wouldn't be in the situation if you just rested your brain. And now I can't tell you what's going to happen to you long-term because we don't know. And I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, and then I, when I, I started doing some independent research on it, I used to go to the Harvard medical school library. I used to photocopy every study. And I realized that not only had we known this for a hundred years, but the reason that my modern athletes didn't know was partially because the NFL was trying to bury this stuff. The NFL yeah. was very, Steve Young and Troy Aikman got hurt in the nineties. The NFL said, we're on top of this. And then they just started sending wrong information. Like you, they were still putting guys who were knocked unconscious back into the same game and saying it was safe uh, in 2008. So um, I said, you know what, is my penance for going into wrestling and damaging my brain? I'm at least going to try to change the culture around this because it seems so easy. So that's when I wrote the book that, of course, no one read. Um, but I, I realized I had a plan for how you, how you make sports safer. And, and so that's when I started the Concussion Legacy Foundation. I said, let's put this plan into action. And the sparking moment was that uh, when Andre Waters took his life back in 2006, I had written a chapter about CT in the first two NFL cases. And I said, God, this looks like CT uh, because he talked about uh, his depression and, and suicide. It didn't make any sense. And I coordinated his brain study and realized that that was how we were going to get people to take concussion seriously by showing them the damage that all these hits the head do. Yeah, it feels like it like, it, it probably all stems because I, I mean I I played high school football, but even then, and this was back you know early late nineties, early two thousands. It was like the mentality was like get up, get up, fight through it. You know, no pain, no gain. This and so it's almost like you're you're not only battling, you're battling a whole shift in mindset and attitude and um, you know yeah. coaching from all levels. Even you know, so it's a it, it was it's a big task you take it on with uh, many facets. So. Well, you know, I've had a lot of wonderful people to work with uh, to do this. But, yeah, I mean, I think part of the part of the reason it worked is because I did have all this video of me getting hit in the head with chairs and doing crazy things. And so people knew I wasn't I wasn't saying this because I wasn't, you know, I was soft. I was saying yeah. this because I I'd learned the hard way. And, and right. unfortunately, I started connecting to people who had suffered in a similar way. Like, you know, we both know Ted Johnson. And he was the first, like, you know, young guy to come forward and say, I'm changed from this. Yeah. And it took a lot of guys like that and a lot of courage to put a face to what you, everyone was trying to sweep under the rug because no one wants to believe any of this is true, especially those yeah. of us who played. Uh, but now it, it hits even closer to home. You and I were talking last recently about my old a guy I lived with for a few months, my captain, of my Harvard team, Chris Eitzman. Yeah. Um, he died uh, of, due to alcoholism uh, just over a year ago now. And we studied his brain and he had stage two CT. So it's, um, yeah. it's yeah. rough. Yeah, I know. I, um, someone I became really close with during his time in the uh, on the Patriots was Junior Seau, and um, yeah. you know, I saw I saw firsthand the effects of it, and then obviously, you know, with him taking his own life, it's um, just horrible. But you know, on that note, like, let's get into the Concussion Legacy Foundation. Can you just tell us about that and the mission? Yeah, yeah. So our mission is to help people who are fighting concussions and CT to to change sports so we can play safer in the future. And to find a cure for CTE and, and, and figure out how to prevent it. And so, uh, you know, a lot of what I'm doing is daily. We have a helpline that I mentioned earlier. Like, if you have problems, reach out. And we have people, we have dozens of people reaching out every week. And we feel very good about getting people through those tough times so they don't end up like junior sale. And then um, we're, we're starting the brain banks around the world. So besides this, the BU brain bank, we've started in Australia. We just partnered with Oxford in the UK. We're trying to get more scientists to the cause and more research going on in this so that we actually have a cure in my lifetime. 
even today, I'll tell you, there was just went out um, a, a team in, in the UK uh, made a huge breakthrough finding that there's actually a disease with, with CT, you're, the, a protein in your brain misfolds, and they found there's another disease that misfolds the protein in the exact same way. And it's a complication of measles. You can get a, a, something called SSPE from measles. And what that means is that CTE is probably an inf- caused by inflammation in the brain from all these hits. And there's multiple environmental triggers, not just hits to the head, but measles that could cause this misfolding, which gives us opportunities for cures, like ideas for how do you stop that. So it's, it's exciting to get more people working on it. And then we're, we still do our bread and butter, you know, concussion work, educating people what they are, trying to protect them for, from it. We started a, uh, the first education program for broadcast with Bob Costas to get uh, the broadcasters on TV teaching our kids about concussions while they're talking, while, while it's happening in games by not going back on those old things of he, he's shaking up, he's this or that, but actually describing what they're saying. So we're, we really are trying to both make sports safer for people now and then uh, find a cure for these people that have been affected in the future. With our audience here at Playing Field being pretty much 70% athletes, like how can we how can we here support what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things that, you know, we're, we're, we keep growing, but this is a, as this study shows, like this is a problem that's going to affect either you or someone you care about if you're an ex-athlete, especially a contact sport athlete. And my job is to keep recruiting more and more people and energy to the cause. So if you want to help create a better situation for the people you played with or for yourself in 10 years down the road, get involved today. And so please do reach out. And and there's lots of ways to get involved. I'm recruiting for studies. In fact, I'm recruiting for one with Johns Hopkins looking at brain inflammation that I need people who have retired in the last 10 years. And it's very hard to recruit those people because they're starting new careers. They have kids. If you've retired in the last 10 years from the NFL and you could get to Baltimore for us, we'll pay you. I'll fly you. Please, uh, we'll include that link. Um, and then, you know, if you want to help us fundraise, we're starting our, our second annual race to NCTE, a big national virtual um, 5Ks and other things that people are doing. And it's a, we have alumni teams uh, rate, competing to raise most money last year. We almost crossed $300,000. So if you want to help raise the money that will develop those cures and protect kids, um, please reach out. Chris, you, you you got like a you have beautiful family. You have countless awards and been recognized. Like, what are you most proud of? <laughs> outside outside <laughs> of your family and all yeah. that. Well, no, uh, I mean, I actually like I'm proud of yours. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's funny. Like 15 years ago, you know, when I when we when we'd go out drinking, like I wasn't sure if I'd yeah. ever have a family because my head hurt every day, and I didn't know if I wanted to be a burden to other people. But now that I'm doing better again, there's hope in the future. Very proud of that. But I guess I'm proud that we we've changed the culture. Just to give you one note, in October, I wrote a letter to the National Institutes of Health and convinced them to change how they talk about CT from it's a disease found in athletes to it's caused by brain injuries. Mm-hmm. And so now that we understand it's caused by, we can fix it. And so, and we can prevent it. And so getting the, you know, getting the National Institutes of Health to change uh, over 15 years is a big deal for us. And I'm very, I'm very proud of that. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's amazing. I've been talking to a lot of the, you know, people here in playing field and a lot of athletes about first, you know, whether it's, you know, first hit first time on the field. And I was like torn between the two I wanted to ask you. So I'm, I'm going to ask you and let you decide which one you want to answer, but 
you know, Harvard Stadium, 120 years old, you know, one of the most epic stadiums. So like running out there for the first time or first time on the mat in the ring on the WWE stage, just like, like which one, like kind of, do you feel it most in your, in your belly? Well, I got, I, I got to say it'd be the wrestling one because, you know, the first time I ran out of the Harvard field, I was a, uh, you know, I would have been a freshman and had no shot of seeing the field. So I don't think I yeah, had yeah, that, yeah. that okay. excitement, even though it was a great honor. Um, but I do remember the first time I was in a WWE ring. I mean, you can't forget it when they, it was my tryout match and I was working against Rikishi. And if you don't remember, you probably don't know Rikishi, but he was no. 400 pounds. And he his his one of his moves called the stink face, where he had a huge, he wore a huge, huge man, wore a thong. And he would uh, put you in the corner and then put his cheeks on you. And because it was my first match, he uh, held it as long as he could. I nearly passed out. It was uh, very memorable. But just the idea of getting in front of the, that crowd um, and being in the ring that some people have been in before, it was, I, can, I can still remember that rush. That, that's awesome. I'm going to have to do some deep Googling for that photo. So uh, <laughs> that one, the, that was a dark match. Luckily that doesn't exist. So that, you know, you, uh, okay. that. you don't have to worry about your kids stumbling <laughs> over that one. The, uh, we haven't, haven't had that discussion with my kids yet about my, some of the things I did in wrestling. That'll be fun. <laughs> Good. Take your time on that one. But um, yeah, I, I was thinking <laughs> about, you know, all your research and, and, you know, you know, a lot of my world revolves around the NFL, but, you know, and, and more just curious your opinion on, um, you know, keeping the NFL, the game, you know, that balance between keep the game exciting and, you know, obviously protecting the players, but like, and, and, you know, I think a lot of players, some players would say like, Hey, listen, I know the sacrifice I'm making, you know, to make this money, this. And so like, how do you, how do you speak to someone that would be like, well, like these guys know what they're getting themselves into. Um, like, and, and how do you get that balance where, you know, there's already, I would think they're like, they're saying like, you know, protecting the quarterback and this, that the game's getting a little bit like, you know, ton of like just ton of penalties. Great question. So it, it's a really hard one to answer because the honest answer is no one knows what they're getting into because we can't tell them what their yeah. chances are of getting CT or what their symptoms might be. Besides, you could eventually develop dementia and you probably have memory issues. And we don't know how you know where these mental health issues are exactly coming from. Is it CT? Is it other concussions? Is it other things? So my we've always said at the beginning, like Adults can do a dangerous job if they want to, if they have informed consent, they know what they're getting into, and reasonable protections are made for them. So as an advisor of the player association, you know, it was it was it was my idea to get like rid of hitting in practice. So when the players heard that, they were like, Yeah, definitely. That's a terrible it's a big waste of brain damage. So the NFL keep making it safer. I'll keep working through the PA to do that. Um, but the question is for the NFL guys, most of them have been playing like about 15, you know, 10, 15 years by then. And the yeah. disease may never be there. And so we have to go back, back further if we want to protect NFL players in the future. And so one of our, our campaigns is called Stop Hitting Kids in the Head. We basically need to change youth sports so kids can't get CTE or exposed to those that inflammation in their brain in their developing years. And so the way to make football safer, if you want, in 10 years, if we want our NFL players not all getting CTE, we have to stop them playing tackle at age five. They, they probably shouldn't play tackle till 14. And then they'll have a, sh a chance of having a long career in the NFL and not having this disease. But right now, if you have a long, successful career in the NFL and you start at age five, I don't think your odds of, of having CT are, are not, I mean, it, it would be hard to avoid CT in that situation. And yeah. that's not fair to the players because you only awaken to the idea of your long-term health 
when you get to your 20s. You're not even thinking yeah. about it when you're younger than that. So you're invincible. This is a, it's a yeah. So this is a huge moral quandary. Like the NFL player could say, I knew what I was getting into, but I you didn't know what you're getting into at eight years old or at 14 years old, or you know, so yeah. I, 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 and it's hard to walk away from the millions of dollars and the adulation. And, and um, so I'm not saying anyone needs to walk away, but get smart on this because you still have a choice, even if you're playing right now, on what risks you are willing to take and, and how you could change how you play so that your risks are less going forward. But yeah. it's a tough situation. So I hope the NFL changes their tune on youth tackle. I think we're seeing them slowly doing it with the, uh, you know, the flag game for the uh, Pro Bowl, but we need to go faster. Yeah, I mean, I like I hear about friends with kids that are playing flag football now. You never heard that in the past. So, um, you know, it's obviously uh, there's a, there's a there's some moment there's a ton of momentum behind it. So, the um, yeah. last question, staying on the brain here, like you've been around the brain for years, probably so, you've been around since you were born. But in, like outside of uh, CTE, what is like? Is there one fact or one thing you've learned about the brain that you just like that like just blows you away? Yeah, I mean, you know, just the idea that, you know, we have nearly 100 billion neurons in our brain, but really the magic is the connections between them and the idea that there's trillions of connections, you know, that that make your brain work and just trying to wrap your mind around that complexity uh, is something that I've always sort of latched on to, you know, then with the idea that uh, we, that's why it's so fragile. Like if you physically rattle a brain, like you're changing those connections and, and your axons are one twentieth the width of a human hair, but some of them are, you know, go from your, you know, top of your spinal cord, you know, you know, all the way down, like these are long and thin. And and so these hit, there's no shock of what we're seeing long-term in these brains because of the, how, how amazing, but also how fragile the brain is. Yeah. It's just all so interesting. Chris, I uh, really appreciate your time and your insight. You know, thanks for all the work you do, you know, protecting these athletes. It's um, it's pretty amazing. So thanks again for your time. Thank you, Ben. It's a pleasure. I'm really proud of what you built here.